Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When I first moved here almost three years ago, one of the first things I had to do was to update my driver's license to reflect my new address. So I had to go to the White Bear Lake Department of Motor Vehicles, or DMV. Now, as I waited in line, I learned from someone next to me that the White Bear Lake DMV has been voted one of the best DMVs in the state. And I believed them because it wasn't that bad of an experience. The line wasn't too long, the people were friendly, and the temperature was comfortable. But at the end of the day, it was still the DMV. It was still a place I had to go to get something done. And there are other places, locations, buildings that we eventually have to visit in life. And I wasn't waiting with bated breath for the next opportunity to visit the DMV, even if it is one of the best in the state. Because there are places we want to go, and then there are places we have to go. Places like the DMV, or the doctor's office, or the dentist's office, or the grocery store. If I asked you to think of a word or a feeling you have about these locations, I'm guessing I wouldn't hear the most rave reviews, right? Now, obviously, some are worse than others. But in all of these, you can see that we go to these places, in most cases, because we have to. Not necessarily because we want to. I'm guessing nobody thought to themselves, I love it. Now, I wonder what, would, what people would say if I put up a picture of our church on the screen. What kind of words or feelings would you have about this? location. Now let's think about it honestly. Do we think about going to church the same way we think about going to the DMV, to the doctor's office, to the grocery store? Is it a place we feel we have to go, or is there more to it? Think about the people who aren't here with us today, or maybe people who, have, who haven't stepped into a church in a long time or, or ever. I'd be willing to guess that some of them would describe coming to church like we described going to the DMV, and I'm guessing based on their experiences, they probably won't be far off from the truth. But is that what God intended when he created his church? Was that his idea about, his, uh, about this community of people? I believe the Bible tells us no. It wasn't, nor is God's plan for his church. In fact, I believe that God wants us to love the church, to love the church that he intended it to be. And that's what this sermon series is going to be all about, that we'd learn to be the community, the family of believers that God has intended us to be. I want you to turn in your bulletin or, uh, or in your Bible, or you can look at the screen here at John 13, verses 34 and 35. I'd like us to read that together. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This verse is, or these verses are a prelude of the church that is to come. The church will start in the book of Acts, but here we have Jesus meeting with his disciples in the upper room 
that Thursday before he's killed. And he's telling them how his followers should be known, what the reputation will be of this community that he is creating. Jesus says they will be a people known for their love for one another. Notice, too, that church people are meant to love one another. It's not optional. It's not an elective. It's a command, a new commandment I give to you. We are to love one another. But what does that mean? What does it mean to love one another? When we say we want to love the church as God intended it and us to be, what do we mean by love? Well, let me illustrate that for you with a couple of examples. In October of 2017, I was very excited to see the opening of one of my favorite restaurants in Maplewood, Chick-fil-A. I don't know what it is about their food, but every time it seems as if I'm eating the most amazing chicken sandwich compared to everywhere else I eat. My wife loves their food too, and we talk about how great their service is, how polite they are, and how the overall experience is phenomenal. Even if they make the occasional mistake, they are quick to fix it, and they go out of their way to make us feel welcomed and appreciated. In short, I love it. I love a restaurant. This past week, I took a few days of vacation. I spent that time building a new swing set for my kids. It turns out I had grossly underestimated the amount of time and effort that it would take. And you can see in this picture, I still have a few boards to put up on that tower, and the, uh, the colorful roof is still missing. But it's functional, and the kids love it. They're having a blast. They ask to go outside and play, and they want me to come with them. And when I ask them if they love it, they say they do. And when I think of all the work that it has taken, it's worth it. Because I love my kids. I love my kids. So what does it mean when we say, I love my church? What does it mean to love one another? Does God want us to love one another like I loved the experience at the restaurant? Or does he want us to love the church the way I love my kids? With the restaurant, I was experiencing something given to me, a, a place offering me something. The restaurant fed me and provided me a moment in which I could participate. If the experience itself was excellent, I could rate it as so. I could give it a positive review on Yelp. I'd even recommend it to others. If it was the opposite type of experience, I wouldn't return and I'd tell others to avoid it. With my kids, I was experiencing an important relationship. With them, I am intrinsically connected. My love for them isn't based on what I'm receiving or experiencing, but based on who they are and what my involvement is in our relationship. Because I love them, I care for them, I play with them, and I go through life together with them. That journey might bring about some not-so-great experiences, but we work through those. I don't rate my kids on Yelp. I love them. You see, the church was never meant to be like a restaurant. Rather, it's meant to be based on relationships. This begins first and foremost with our relationship with Jesus, and through that we are connected to one another. First, Jesus loves us, and he brought us into relationship with himself, we have been called by God, 
given faith by him, and have been rescued from eternal death, all on account of his love for us. But that calling by God defines us way more than we think it does. In fact, I did a search for the word church in the ESV translation of the Bible, the same version that sits in the pews in front of you. And the word church shows up 74 times in the New Testament. And if you look at the original Greek that it's written in, every time you see the word church in English, you see the word ecclesia in Greek. All 74 times I checked. Now the word ecclesia is a Greek word. It's a compound word made up of, of two parts. Ek meaning from or out of. And klesia, which comes from the word kaleo, which means to call. So when you put them together as a noun, that translates to the called out ones. You see, the Bible talks about the church as a people group. Not as an institution, not as a business or corporation, but as a collection of people who have been called to be followers of Jesus. The ones called to be in relationship with Jesus. But sadly, many who claim to be Christians are in name only. The Lutheran Hour Ministries from this uh, Saturday morning, yesterday morning, said this, There have always been too many Christians in name only, people who rely for their salvation on church membership, church attendance, denominational belief, or family tradition, without a deep personal conviction of their own sin and the living assurance of the Savior's grace. That was a sermon excerpt from Reverend Dr. Walter A. Meyer, the first speaker of the Lutheran Hour. And what he's getting at here was about where our salvation truly lies in the relationship we have with our God, specifically being ones called out by him. Ones who have been connected to Jesus' saving act of love for us, his death and resurrection. By what Jesus did, our sins are forgiven and we are saved. Earlier in the book of John, we're told that it was because God loved the world so much that he sent his only son to die for us, that we might have real life, eternal life. He intentionally loved us, served us, and he brought us into a right relationship with him. And in being brought into that relationship, we aren't only brought into relationship with our God, we're brought into a relationship with one another. Being in relationship with Jesus means being part of the church, part of his kingdom, part of a family of faith. But for many people, they treat the church like a restaurant. If the experience isn't just to their liking, they'll find somewhere else, or they won't go at all. And this is beyond sad, because it sets up expectations for the church that it was never meant to fulfill. Also, we have to be honest here. This isn't relationship-focused. This is self-focused. This isn't loving as Jesus loved. This is loving as I see fit, as I'm comfortable with, as I see for my own personal gain. The church, the church isn't supposed to be like that. Now, I want to make a promise to you and issue a challenge. You will have a deep sense of love for the church when you actively 
and intentionally practice love for the church. The opposite is also true. When you don't intentionally love the church, then you will not experience a love for the church. We'll love the church when it's about relationship, not when it's like a restaurant. So what does it look like to intentionally love the church, to be in community with one another as God intended it to be? Well, that's what the rest of this sermon series is all about. That's simply too big to cover in one 15-minute sermon, and so we'll see a number of ways this might look. It won't be an exhaustive list, but it'll be a nice overview. So in the weeks that will follow, we hope to develop a better understanding of why it is Christians love their church and how God shows his love to us through his church. So first we'll look at love by connecting, in being in community and fellowship and relationship with each other. We'll find it's more than knowing someone's name or where they sit on a Sunday morning. We will love one another as we stand alongside one another. Being connected with one another ensures that no one stands alone. Next, we'll look at love by giving. Yes, we're going to talk about giving, but probably not in a way you'd expect. In fact, we won't talk at all about tithing or percentages. We'll simply talk about giving as an indicator of love. Then we'll look at love by sharing. The love that Jesus has given to us and the love that we have for one another, that isn't to be hoarded within the walls of the church. The love that we have for others is meant to, to show our community what the love of Jesus looks like. If we aren't sharing the love of God in our words and our deeds, then we aren't truly loving. We'll talk about that as well. And lastly, we'll be looking at love by serving, which is on the same day that we have our Servant Sunday scheduled. God has given each follower supernatural empowered abilities to encourage and to help one another and the community. Did you know you have a superpower? We're going to talk about that too. So even though it's the start of summer, I invite you to stick with us for the next four weeks as we look at the various ways that we can intentionally love the church, the people whom God has called. So together we can see what it is that God has intended for our community of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.